of course, we're totally unrehearsed. Yes. And if we rehearsed, it would sound, probably sound terrible. Right. Um, and we haven't had a podcast in a while, and I think we should explain a little bit why. Mostly because I've been at school. Yeah, well, that's not entirely true. I mean, you have entirely been in school. I have entirely been in school. All of you. You have been in school all of this time, but also um, we we have been moving. We've been relocating. Yes, and uh, it's kind of hard to uh, it's hard to explain to everybody. But it you know it takes a lot of time. There's there's a lot of electronics involved here and a lot of sensitive equipment and a lot of time in moving and getting everything set up. So we're pretty much set up now, and we'll have our regular podcasts on a regular. What's the matter? Why you just throw a tissue at me? I didn't throw you it. Throw at a you. used tissue on the table. <laughs> I apologize. Very unprofessional of me. We are in a new office. My father has a new office, and that's where we record the podcasts. Right. So we're still setting it up. I'm still getting all the equipment set up and uh, acoustic treatments and whatnot that that I use to make these sound um, listenable in my, in my dad's office. So you have to try to make me sound good. I can only try. When people see me on YouTube, what they're looking at is me sitting at my desk. That's actually where I sit and I work and I write. Right. So it's not a studio, except that now we have, of course, microphones attached to my desk, ruining the ambiance of my work. But it's but that's only no. that's <laughs> that's only for recording purposes. Okay. So what we're doing now is uh, we have a lot of questions that have been coming in over the past few months that we have to catch up on. Oh, we haven't so. been doing podcasts, and people, uh, I'm sure, want their questions answered. So uh, this episode is just going to be. Um, basically a, a Q and a, we're getting all these questions that we, we usually do at the end of each podcast. We're going to, we're going to do a bunch. Yes. Today. And we, we have a backlog of, uh, regular podcasts that we're going to be producing that will be coming out. So people should keep an eye out for those. Watch out for the notifications if you're subscribed. So let's get into the first question. All right. This is from John. He says, I have a question that was brought up in an earlier podcast about sin. What is your definition of sin? And I'm not going to... Sh should I read the whole paragraph about his... He mentions a Facebook group page. Yeah, well, as soon as someone says, what is your definition from sin, that automatically puts me on the defensive, right? He said that he saw um, you say on Facebook that, that you never sin. Right. And he took away that you were saying that you're perfect. No, I'm not perfect. And... Oh, I see. Well, a lot of people think that... In order that if you don't sin, that means you're perfect, but that's not true. You can right. you cannot sin and not and still not be perfect. So they're they're associating that he's he's got a religious. And you told bent. apparently you told somebody according to John uh, on Facebook that uh, he wasn't a Christian because he said that he sinned. <laughs> well, no, you can't be a Christian and sin. He wants to know what my definition of sin is. Correct. That's right. what he's asking you. That's that's a baited question because there is he just doesn't know what it is. He wants to see if mine compares with his because he's got his own. Why doesn't he call me and tell me what what his what his definition of sin is? I can tell him what my definition of sin is, and then we just battle each other out. I don't have a definition of sin. I can tell him what it is. He's uh, trying to bait me. He's trying to bait an argument or a debate. Next question. Um, this one is from Jerry. He says, hello, gentlemen. I hope all is well. I wanted to ask about your experience in your 20s to both of you. I want to know Daniel's experience when he was that age. That was a long time ago you, for me. 
and how he dealt with it, but also I want to know Dan Jr.'s experience right now as he is right into that age. I would love to hear both of your experiences at the time. For right now, for Dan Jr., I ask this because your 20s can be a super difficult time for some people. I'm 23. I have no idea where to go or what to do at this moment. I feel like time is running out. How do I deal with being 20? Yeah. Oh, I would deal with that very nicely. If he, I could. Say, <laughs> he says he feels like time is running out. He says, I had oh passions. Oh my God. I had passion. I know. It's kind of a funny thing to say. Time is running out. I had passions, tried stuff out, Jerry, but never worked out. Jerry, the end is near. The <laughs> end is near, buddy. You better get moving. <laughs> How did you cope from turning from child to adult? For me, I feel like the transition hasn't come yet mentally. Right. Well- you know, you, you really don't want to ever feel like you've, you're, you're established. I mean, you always want to keep growing. I don't know what I want to do when I grow up either. And I'm 61 year, I'll be 62 pretty soon. So being uncertain is good. Yeah, I think that uncertainty is, is a good thing. Um, I mean, I, kind, I, I guess I've dealt with that fear a little bit in the past year, applying for internships and, and uh and stuff like that, looking at grad schools and because you, you want to feel uh, like you're getting somewhere and like you're doing something and you see people with who are, you know, your your own age proclaiming these passions that they found and the success they've had in, in them. Um, but I don't think that's necessary. It's that old story of, you know, comparing yourself with other people. Right. But don't forget, you're also, when you're comparing yourself to other people, you're comparing yourself to the projection that they're putting out. Right. So it's like you go on Facebook. Exactly. Facebook, you know, I mean, I deal with people all the time that are on Facebook, let's say, and many of them are, you know, they'll come and they have these horrible things going on in their lives and anything you can imagine and their lives are being destroyed and they're miserable, but you go on the Facebook page and life is wonderful. No one has a double chin. No one has a muffin top. Everyone has a, spends their weekends on their little boat down by the lake with their children. <laughs> well, that's not really what's going on. Right. Obviously, you don't have to have everything worked out by the time you're 20. No, you certainly don't. And I'm or 30. I'm 60. This goes, I'll take this back to the other fellow who wants to know if I'm perfect or if I think I'm perfect. No, I'm not perfect, nor do I think I'm perfect. I am moving toward it. I would like to be that way. We are to become perfect in this lifetime. That's what we're supposed to do. But I'm not there yet. I have another 40 years or so to go. If I live to be 102 which I hope to do, maybe a little bit more than that. But I'm not planning to die anytime soon. So I have, thank goodness, I have some time uh, to move toward perfection. Well, back to that sin question then, what is the difference between um, sinning and, or I should say not sinning and being perfect? Because you talk about perfection not being perfect yet, and yet I guess you said you don't sin. Right. So where where does... Where does not sinning come in in the, in the in the progression to perfection? Well, you're never going to become perfect if you keep sinning. So the the, the longer you go without sinning, the closer to perfection you become, because there are other things besides not sinning that bring you toward perfection. Right. And where that is, who even knows where that is? That's at some point in the in the future. For me, anyway, maybe there's someone who thinks they're perfect already. I don't know. I, Jesus was perfect. I'm not. Right. But I don't sin either. So a lot of people get that confused because they listen to preachers and they listen because the, the preachers have mostly <laughs> like, you know, the, uh, the Judeo-Christian religions, right? They have um, commandments. And mm -hmm. I'm a 
I'm a Judeo-Christian fellow. I read the commandments too, but they think that to disobey the commandments is the sin. That's not the sin. Disobeying the commandments is the symptom of the sin that comes before it, and the sin that comes before right. it, it precedes it. It's playing God. Mm-hmm. It's playing and playing God through anger and reason through emotionality. You play God. And that's what sin is. Which um, it's important to remember that those commandments were given to the Jews. The well, they're not. Are they are they Jews yet? Do we call them Jews? Israelites. They're given to them. Good thing we don't teach Bible. The commandments are <laughs> the commandments are given to the Jews right. uh, before Christ. It's before Jesus. Sure. So it's before Jesus taught them how not to sin. They were given rules. That's what, a very good way. What of to do? It. That's a very good way. What to not do? That's right. So uh, I'll read something. I, to, if if people like Bible, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So we're to become perfect, even though we're not now. Right. Did we answer Jerry's question about becoming, going from child to not really. adult? Not, not really. really. No. Jerry's, th- look, I, I specifically remember, I <coughs> specifically remember, he, he's in his 20s. Yes. Okay. I specifically remember being in my 20s and thinking exactly like he is. Exactly like he is. I was like maybe 24, 25 years old. I had just started um, the newspaper, you know, that I, that I started. And I'm, here I am. I'm like the editor-in-chief of this company, uh, this uh, the president of this company, the editor-in-chief of this newspaper. And I have these big muckety-muck partners and we're selling stock and we're doing all these things and raising money and I'm flying all over the country and I'm becoming a, a, a national figure and I'm taking a, a modest salary, you know, and I, I live in a nice neighborhood and have a nice car, but I want more. I want more. And I'm looking at other people and the people who I was with at the time were buying houses. We hadn't bought a house yet. We were living in an apartment, which we later bought, but we were renting it at the time in, in Queens. And I felt like I was falling behind these people. Oh, they're buying houses. And here I am, I'm driving around in a, in a Camaro and they have Cadillacs and uh, Lincolns and, oh, I, I need a bigger, more, I need a bigger, fancier car. And, you know, I need fancier suits and I need to be able to afford to go out more and eat, eat out more and more and more and more and more. Well, I felt like I was falling behind. And anyone looking would say, what are you talking about? <laughs> you're doing very well. You're only 24 years old. Anybody listening is already laughing that you're, you're worried your suits aren't fancy enough and your Camaro isn't a Cadillac. <laughs> you're 20 years old. I know. Come on. I, I had a custom tailor who used to make my suits. At the, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about this now and I'm thinking how humorous it is because I remember at the time thinking, oh my God, I'm falling behind. I'm falling behind. Okay. And I specifically remember going for a walk one day. I left the building and I was just, I was like, I don't know. I was kind of frantic. I just, I didn't, I felt anxious. And that anxiety was coming from something else, but I thought it was because I was, I felt poor. So when you relate to money incorrectly, you feel poor no matter how much money you have. And I remember specifically going for a walk 
And we happen to live in a very nice neighborhood. And I remember looking at these houses saying, wow, I should be owning one of these. Wow, look at this. And I remember I had a friend, her name was uh, Linda, and she was buying a house. And she was like two years younger than I was. And she's buying a house. She's a real estate agent, so she got a good deal. But she, and I remember her telling me about this. I'm going, wow, she's ahead of me. She's two years younger than I am. And we don't have a house. But, you know, she had a husband and a child and everything else. You know, she was way ahead of me in that area also. So I just remember feeling like I was falling behind. And I can look back on it now. And it is, that anxiety is fear. It's something working on you. I was lost in my head. If you're worrying about that, it's probably because you're lost in your head. Mm -hmm. And something is feeding you these thoughts, trying to keep you anxious, trying to keep you from being present, trying to keep you from being here now. Because when you're not here now, that means you can't do what you need to be doing now in order to exist now. And that's the important thing. And you miss life. You wind up missing things. And I did that for a number of years. And I know, looking back, that I missed portions of life, portions of living. Your mother has the same... Your mother has... Your mother has like amnesia for, she's missing years of, years of life where she worried about things and she doesn't remember what went on. She doesn't remember, I don't know, I forget what years those were, but she didn't remember parts of my Wall Street career. She didn't remember a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And this is like 30 years later, 20 years later, 30, well, more than 20, 25, 30 years later. Doesn't remember you bought her a rocking chair? She doesn't remember I bought her a rocking chair. That's currently in our living room. <laughs> I bought her that 40 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. She, knows she doesn't remember it. So, and that's just a, a little example. Right. <laughs> but no, she doesn't remember entire events. So, it's funny how your mind works. Uh, I would say to Jerry, Jerry, well, first of all, I, I, I can tell you don't worry, but how do you not worry? Well, you really have to stay in the day, stay in the now, stay in the present. When you look at these thoughts that are coming from the future, they're meant to entice you. They're meant to attract you and seduce you away from what's going on now so that you miss now and are worried about the future because God is here now. And when you're off in the future, you're lost in your thoughts and that has, that's another influence altogether. So just stay here now and you'll be fine. Totally fine. I wish I had known that when I was 24 years old. I, I knew it. But I could, but I had a very hard time staying in it, listening to my conscience at the time. Mm -hmm. I just had a hard time. I knew, I knew I had to, but I kind of went in and out of it all the time. Which is losing faith. It's, it is losing faith. It's losing faith. And a lot of people say, well, you're losing faith in yourself. No, I had faith in myself. I thought myself could plan and anticipate the future and plan for it. No, you lose faith in your creator. Right. Who's here now. And when you mentioned things not working out, I mean, you know, you're 23. I've had lots of things not work out too that aren't that I, but, but I didn't, I didn't plan for them to work out or not work out. You just try different things and you yeah. keep trying things as, as opportunities approach. And, and you, you have, you have faith that, uh, the right thing will come at some point or, you, you know, you'll progress in life as you're supposed to. And you just, uh, you, you know, you don't worry about those things. Do you have an example of something that didn't work out that I can? Um, yeah, I mean, sure. I mentioned, uh, well, I mentioned internships, right? Oh yeah, right. I was, right. uh, 
I was applying to <clears throat> I was applying to different internships, right. um, specifically looking at uh, some banking ones, investment banking. Um, and for a while, like for a few months, I was, you know, wow, I want to become an investment banker. I want I want to go into investment banking in some way, which is very common at my school too. Yeah. And I looked into it, and I, I I was interested. It was interesting. Isn't it funny? You go to a school where the where basically ninety nine percent of the students are. They just have a socialist mind bent. You know, they're they're just they're basically socialists, right? You know, they're, they're more than liberal. Okay, we'll say liberal, but they're more than liberal. They're they're downright. Many of them are like Marxists. Yeah, I mean, they really they're have socialists. That, yeah. <laughs> they're socialists, right? But they all want to be rich, and they all want to get jobs on Wall Street and make, right. a, and make a lot of money. Right? Isn't there? Don't you find that to be somewhat hypocritical? Yes, I call them. I call them personal capitalists. Personal capitalists. Yes, they think when they're the ones making money and working hard, it's fine. Oh, it's okay. But if right. others do, they don't like that. If others do, they need to share it. So <laughs> yeah. it's ridiculous. It is fun. But um, it's sad actually. But anyway, I was I was looking at those uh, careers. I went to some networking events, I submitted some resumes, some applications, and I discovered that I really didn't want it as much as I thought I did. Um, no opportunities really arose from it. Uh, nothing was calling out to me. Right. Um, and I realized that there were other things that I'd want to do differently. Right. And I was okay with that. From the beginning, I was not willfully pursuing it. And that's the important part. When you willfully pursue things, when you pursue things with faith in yourself instead of in God, you can be totally crushed by the result It's very when easy. it doesn't work out. And even if it works out well, then you credit yourself, and that's not healthy either. You can get caught up in this tide of ambition. Right. That Am ambition, right. And other people are caught up in it too, so it seems right, and it seems just, and oh yes. Necessary even. It, it does seem necessary because people are telling you this is what you must do. Right. This is what you're here for. Right. I would I would say watch watch your ambition too because when ambition fails, it creates the kind of worry I think you're feeling, which I've experienced too. Okay, Kenny. Moving on to Kenny. Hi, Kenny. I read your book, blogs, Facebook posts, and listen to your podcast and meditation pretty much every day. I wish. There was more people like you in the word, Daniel. Why do people say, uh, this happens a lot, people, is he from the UK by any chance? I don't know. Okay. No, no, he's from Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Red Sox. Um, go Sox, right? Go Red Sox. <laughs> Red Sox. Red Sox. Okay. Um, we, we're, we live in Massachusetts. Yeah, we live in Massachusetts and we're surrounded by people from Boston who have come to Cape Cod, which is where we live, but we are dyed in the wool New Yorkers and our, and that, which is not appreciated. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, he says, I wish there were more people in the world like you discover you as a blessing in my life. Oh yeah. That's what, that's what I wanted to stop you for. A lot of people say, Oh, I listen to meditation. I listen to, what do you mean you listen to it? Do you do it? Just sitting there listening to it doesn't do any, doesn't do any good. Right. You have to actually do it. So that makes me wonder, are they listening to the pre-talk? Are they listening to the post-talk? Are they are they just listening to me going? You know, just sitting there with my voice going in your brain is not going to do you. You have to actually practice. You have to actually do the exercise. Otherwise, it doesn't count. So I have found in speaking with people that they sometimes say they listen to it. And I know that they're not because I, I pursue it with them and I find out, well, they're listening to it, but they're not actually making it work. 
Right. And they're wondering why nothing happens. You have to actually practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So Kenny. Okay. Well, no, Kenny didn't ask you a question yet. Will you wait a second? Okay. As you can see, I'm a massive fan of your work. Although sometimes I get a bit obsessed with you. Oh. No, don't worry. Not in a stalking way. Good. <laughs> but a way where my life We've has had, had an impact from your work. Like I need more. At times, I get carried away with listening to you like you're some sort of god. I want to ask, how would you recommend me and other people approach your work when reading or listening to it? Just let it... sounds it, like he's afraid uh, of becoming too much of a fan. Oh, I see. He, in other words, trying to remember things and, you know, making... No, right. just, just, just listen. First of all, I don't know if he's meditating, so he should be meditating. And if he meditates, that won't be that much of a problem. That's the most important thing. Don't mm -hmm. try to remember stuff. Don't try to, don't turn it into a doctrine. Don't turn it into a religion, so to speak. That's what they did to Jesus. <laughs> they turned him into a religion. You know, you can't, you can't do that and survive. You have to just, you have to have your own inspiration. Don't use my inspiration. That my inspiration is my inspiration. Mm -hmm. Now I pass along, um, my discoveries, but you're supposed to discover for yourself when you can, you can read how, so, okay, to suggest how to listen and read my writings and my books, just read it and listen. It's not that important really to read my books. I know I would like to sell a lot of books, you know, but that's not where everything comes from. Everything, I'm, the books do nothing more than just point to the meditation, point to non-contemplative awareness becoming objective and everything is added onto that that's going inside that's the kingdom within you do that and all else is added he can't appreciate what i'm what i've written a lot of people try to remember that stuff it's not good don't try to remember anything right and watch the temptation to become too much of a fan yeah, well, just look at it. Just look at it. There's nothing else to do. Just look at that, and it'll go away. It'll go away. Okay. Yeah. Next question. Dom, capital D, capital O, capital M. What's your opinion on coping with loneliness? For some reason, I enjoy being alone. There's another one. And enjoy my own company. What's your opinion? No. Don't ask my opinion. I don't have an opinion. He says, I enjoy... Being alone and enjoy my own company. I'm not sure if this is a negative thing or not. Like when I'm out with my friends, I just want to be home, mainly around my girlfriend. But my girlfriend only. From your point of view, does this sound very negative? He wants to know how to deal with loneliness, but he never gets lonely because he likes being alone? That's contradictory. He says he enjoys his loneliness, I suppose. Yeah, I enjoy. Well, look, I enjoy being alone. Except he wants to be around his girlfriend all the time. Oh, well, he's probably addicted to his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it sounds like he's got a thing for his girlfriend. Who needs to be alone? Who, who's worried about being alone when you got a girl next to you the whole time? That's not being alone. Um, well, some people are afraid of loneliness or they suffer when people are not around, and that's because they've abused people. It's you, if they become addicted to people, and when those people aren't around. They feel they go through withdrawal. Mm -hmm. It's just like alcohol or a drug. You know, you get you get inebriated from people's approval, from giving them your approval, from the parasitic relationships that you get into with them. And then when they're gone, you feel pain. Well, they call that loneliness. 
There's pain, difference. boredom, boredom, sadness. Same thing. Right. Same boredom could be you know you, you you get off on excitement. You take you take someone who's a uh, an adrenaline junkie of some kind. He's mm-hmm. got to go to sporting events. And he's got to go skateboarding and he's got to go skydiving and whatever. And then you put him in, in in a room to sit still. He can't do it. Can't do it. You have to be able to sit still in a room and be with be alone. In which case you're really not alone, right? Because you're with your creator. Mm-hmm. But and you're also with that thing inside of you that needs to be corrected. Uh, I think it's important not to not to bond with people, maybe in the way that you're that you're doing. Um, not with your friends, but more with your girlfriend. I, I think it's important to be independent. I've always been that way. Um, there were times where I had not been that way, you know, maybe in high school a little bit, you get a little, you get a little flavor of that uh, dependence on other people. And then you feel that pain when you're not with them. It's yeah. like, why am I so bored? Why am I so, you know, Do you ever anxious? get, do you get bored? Um, no, not, not really. Not really. Not really We've anymore. discussed this in the past. Right. But, uh, but I think it's important to be uh, your own man and to be independent and to be complete regardless of who is around you. And from there, you can pursue friends and maybe a girlfriend or, or something like that in the right way. But to rely on other people for, for your own fulfillment is definitely not not a good thing. No. that's What, what was that song, Barbara Streisand? People who need people are the luckiest people in the world. <laughs> That's what that was the song. Yeah. Okay. It's a lie. They're not. All right. Next question. Jermaine, how do you think the mind works when you cave in to a bad habit or addiction after going a while resisting it and being proud of yourself till that one moment? Well, pride goeth before the fall, right? That's an old expression. Right. Biblical. Um, sounds like he's taking pride. Is he an addict or something? Or does it sound like? Um, he, he's wondering why that, why that happens. Why when you take pride in your, in your accomplishments and then you fail in this case, addiction, bad right. habits. Yeah. Bad habits. Yeah. Because you can't, that's what I tell people when I help, when I, um, when we do the smoking thing, when they stop smoking, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know. I help a lot of people stop smoking other things too. And, uh, one of the things that I tell them in, in the process, once they've stopped, I tell them, okay, don't. Don't tell anybody. Right. Don't tell anybody that you've stopped yeah, smoking. Yeah. You ever see these people on on Facebook or social media or anywhere, even the workplace? Hey, I'm on yes. 28 days. Yes. Yeah, yes. Four days without a cigarette, five days yes. without a cigarette. Same thing with, I'm sorry to say, same thing with uh, with AA a lot of the time. People mm-hmm. taking pride in their birthdays. They say it's for um, to show others that it can be done. Am I allowed to say BS? Um. Well, say whatever you want. This is a podcast. Oh, that's right. There's no censors. No, I don't. I the don't. only person who's going to censor you is me. <laughs> well, I don't curse. I don't have bad language. No. Um, just a little salty now and then. Pride is one of the reasons why you have the bad habit in the first place. The reason why you have any bad habit. It could be whether it's overeating, drinking. And I'm not talking about actual, you know, well, he's talking about addiction, right? He's talking about yes. probably about drug addiction. Yeah. But there's more to drug addiction and alcoholism than just a bad habit. Right. You know, I mean, picking your nose can be a bad habit. You don't have to go to rehab for that. <laughs> hey, there could be a rehab for nose pickers. Mm. Well, one of the first things they will tell you is don't brag about not picking your nose. 
just don't pick your nose. And then by not bragging about it, if once you're once you start bragging or once you start taking pride, even if you're not bragging, if you take pride in your stopping, it'll start up again because that's what caused your fall in the first place. Right. You see? You're you're crediting yourself. You're elevating yourself. You're crediting yourself for something that you um you really aren't able to do on your own. Not really. Well, that's true. You're taking credit for your own recovery, let's say, when you had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. And it's really not a good, it's really terrible. It's yeah. really, it's re- now, a lot of people remind, a lot of people are still able to stay abstinent from the, whatever substance they're trying to right. stay away from. But then they're using substitutes. They're using other yes. things and they're taking pride in other areas. So right. they'll, they'll go work out at the gym, for example, and they'll start taking become pride. Become a gym, gym rat. Yeah. And they become, right. become buff and, you know. Or build. overeat, uh, start smoking. Well, that's that's a big one. If you've stopped maybe drugs or, or alcohol. That's a big one. Or start overeating. Most people go to like like AA meetings. You know, it used to be the classic AA meeting was filled with cigarette smoke. And you know, cigarette smoking is not so big anymore. So they go outside in the parking lot. Yeah. Or they switch to cigars or they or a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's basically And coffee. And coffee. Um and a tray of cookies. Malamars and Fig Newtons and Oreos and, and, and store brand Oreos. Store brand Oreos. Not real Oreos. No, not real Oreos. No. Too expensive. That's right. But you know what a lot of people do is they switch over to they switch to other substances. They switch to sugar. The big ones are sugar, carbohydrates, you know, overeating, and porn. <laughs> right. Porn is a huge problem in uh in recovery circles. I mean Is that true? Oh yeah. Oh really? Oh my god, yeah. It's yeah, that there ought to be a whole separate department in AA for the pornographers. Oh. Uh, not the pornographers. <laughs> the, por- the pornographers. <laughs> no, not the pornographers. Although I'm sure there are some <laughs> of those. The pornography addicts, internet, uh, internet pornography is a big problem, right? Because that's that's a substitute for for what they were doing before, and food, mm-hmm. and food. You go, you go to um, most. Rec- and I don't want to pick on just AA, but uh, many recovered people are fat. Yeah, they're just 100 pounds overweight. They could barely walk. Right. You know. And dependency and approval seeking of the people in these in these recovery circles that, that you've joined to. That is true. Approval seeking is a big one. I'm, and now listen, I don't want to give the impression that there are people who are who know who aren't familiar with AA meetings that they're going to go down there and get attacked by you know donut eating three hundred pound people. That's not right. I, I don't want to overstate it. It's just ha- it, it is a problem. It does happen. Yes, yes it does happen. Okay, a lot. Right. But you're saying you're not knocking the, the point of the program. Of course not. Of course. Okay. Next question. This is from Vince. Vince was in a long-term relationship that finished. Uh, it ended four years ago. Um, he got over it, he says, after about three or four years. It's a long time to get over a relationship. Okay. Um, so he was addicted to this person. Right. Um, since last June, he says, I've been... On a dating app called Tinder. Oh God! Dan Jr. may be aware of it. Um, I've been on. Okay, a f- wait a minute. Why, why? How come I wouldn't be aware of it? Because it's more popular with college age. Oh, okay. Kids. Now wait a minute. Tinder. That's that's uh, that's hookup culture on a, uh, on on an app. I've been on a few dates and noticed that it's it's more of a hookup app than oh, a dating app. Okay. If you get my meaning. See, I'm a mind reader. I was supposed to meet a girl next Saturday who's only interested in that one thing, so he's going to hook up with a girl. Right. Now, 
This is basically just to have sex with somebody. This is where people meet to have sex. Yeah. Not, then, this is not a dating app. Today, I got a shower after a long day texting her, planning our meetup, and suddenly in the shower, I started to break down and cry. I come to a realization that after any sort of hookup, I always seem to feel sick to the stomach, and then I get left alone again and have no female presence. You could say that they use me. Yeah, he was guilty. He I, used them. That's why he's guilty. I fail for too many women. I always get my heart broken because they, ne they never look for anything serious. I don't think I'm addicted to sex. It's not a thing I really seek. Even when I hook up with these women, I still feel lonely and emotionless inside. I would love to know your opinion on being lonely and having no female presences and, and the common dangers and addictions that come with it. Yeah, he doesn't think he's addicted to sex, but that's not true. He is addicted to sex. Of course he's addicted to sex. Well, um, he's addicted to women. He's addicted to women, but he's then he's if you're addicted to women, he's addicted to relationships, sexual relationships with women. Right. Otherwise he wouldn't go to Tinder. Right? Because mm -hmm. that's that's what that's for. Well, but but it's important to note that all men have a yeah. built in biological urge of course. to have sex. Of course, but that's right? totally manageable. He is having a problem managing it. Mm -hmm. It is regular you can regulate that. I mean, that's that's you really can. It's really easy to do. Right. But it, you go out of control when you have a tremendous need, and he has a t tremendous need for women, which right. always goes back to his mother. He's, he's got to forgive his mother for whatever. He should call me. That's a guy, out of all the people that you read here, he should get a hold of me. Okay. okay. Vince, you can find my dad on Facebook. Send him a message. That's probably the best way to reach you. Probably. And also, he mentioned also what we were talking about just a few minutes ago about loneliness. Loneliness, right. right. He is addicted to the woman, addicted to the girl. When she's not around, he feels lonely right. because he's a, he's guilty of a, he feels guilt. He feels guilt. Listen, every every man who abuses a woman, the moment he's done with her, feels guilt. You can actually become nauseous from it, and right. and he just feels guilt. And he wants us. He doesn't want anything to do with her. Right. And you shouldn't be craving a female presence. No, but that's going to go back to his mother. I need to talk to him about that. Okay. He, he has to stop. He has to give up the resentment for his mother. Right. And no, I, I don't like Tinder. Um, I've never used it. I hope not. No, of course not. <laughs> it is a hookup app. We've also talked about the idea of looking for someone to date, even if this wasn't a hookup app. Yeah. Because I've, I've heard of friends using it, you know, oh, yeah, I, I found my you know, girlfriend or boyfriend on Tinder. Yeah. You know, I wasn't looking for a hookup. I just, you know, I met somebody nice. This is very um, unpopular with, with younger people, uh, what I'm about to say, but you shouldn't be on the, inter you shouldn't be that needy that you're looking for people. You should have relationships with people who you stumble across naturally in church or at school or in the, even in the supermarket. Is that your advice to them? What's that? Only relationships with people you, you, Come across in church, please. No, no. Well, no. No, no. Because, well, in so, a supermarket? In who any, are you meeting in the supermarket? Any, I'm a married man. Anywhere, but not online because you're, you're needy. These are needy people. The, the examples are silly, but the truth is there is no example. It's just let life unfold. Right. Don't look for somebody. God will put someone in your path who you're meant to be with. Right. And it'll work. And you have to trust that. You don't have to search for somebody. No, you don't. And if you do, you're, you're hurting. Right. Because you will- Because you're looking for something. In all the wrong places. Looking for love in all the wrong places.
Okay. And you will look in all the wrong places when you're needy. So Vince, uh, you really haven't gotten over your relationship, it sounds like. I mean, if it took you three or four years, I doubt you've, you've done it the right way. He needs to call me. And that leads, that, that, that stems from Because the answer things. is so simple for him. So simple. For someone who takes years to get over a girl, that's not good. Right. And then he submitted a follow-up. Oh. He says, hey, I wrote to you yesterday about dating or loneliness, if you've seen it. Thinking back to what I wrote, I have a feeling it's a stupid question, very difficult to understand. <laughs> oh. I don't think it's a question that you guys need, so you can pass on the question if you want. Oh, no, he, that's okay. That's it was a, a raw moment. I don't feel like the question was thought out properly. <laughs> oh, it was better than John's question. John's question was dumb. Man, you really dislike John's question. <laughs> um, but if it's a nonsense question, I'd prefer if you didn't read it. Oh, my God. A little All too right. late for that. Okay. Have a little more confidence in yourself. Call me Vince. John. Okay. His name's Vince. I mean, Vince. Well, he just lost all his confidence right there. I don't even know his name. Okay. Uh, last question from Avery. What is a spooky haze in the room you mentioned in the podcast? All right. So I guess that concludes our podcast for the day. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Um, he writes another question. Are you supposed to suggest practicing meditation to your spouse or children? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? Okay. We had a podcast. I remember this. We had a podcast months ago in the old place where we had uh, sort of a phenomenon while we were recording, right? Okay. Is that kind of what it was? Yeah. I would, I, that's even too far a phenomenon. I don't know. It wasn't a big deal. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Avery, if you have any questions like that, uh, you can contact my dad, see what he says. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll talk to him about that. He writes another question as well. Are you supposed to suggest practicing meditation to your spouse or children, or is it better to wait until they ask you first? Well... When you become God conscious, when you become awake, aware, and you're living from that realm, um, people naturally want to know how you do it. So they should naturally want it. I brought it. I when did how you were what eight years old about when you first started meditating, right? I think so. Yeah, about eight years old. I remember that. I remember my first time meditating. I, I remember. Go ahead, tell me. We were both overweight. <laughs> I was I was a chubby little what 10-year-old, 8-year-old, and we lived only a mile from the beach and we decided that we were going to uh power walk to the beach and back and we started doing that every morning. And we did that at like 6 a.m., 7 a.m., some very early time. And when we would get there, we'd be the only ones at the beach and you would uh you would sit me down and we would sit together at the base of the lifeguard chair and you uh you would ask me to close my eyes and ask me if I saw the light, and we would uh, we would meditate for um, for five or ten minutes, mm -hmm. and then and then we would head back. Okay, that was my first experience. I kind of remember meditating. that. I I remember driving there though. No, we used to walk there. Well, I remember one. Uh, I remember the first time. Do you remember I, walking there? I remember going for. I remember jogging down in that area. You remember the walks we used to do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, of course. We used to go right down to the beach. It was like. Quarter mile we, had little, we had little MP3 players, and we used to listen to music right. as we exercised down there. Yeah. Remember that? Kind of. You sound like you don't remember it. I don't remember that, no. I don't we remember We used to put MP3. on our little gym clothes. Right. You had a visor. 
Right. We had MP3 players. You would stick your MP3 player in your visor. Right. I guess you decided that was the best place. We used to walk right. from our house to the beach. Right. We used to get there. It was early in the morning. Right. We used to sit on a lifeguard chair. Right. We used to get to a certain point and meditate there. Okay. No? No, I, I guess so. I remember going to, I don't remember that. I'm not taking the to the meditating and the- And one the, time you fell and scraped your knee and I kept going because yeah. I was scared. <laughs> um, and you were sad that I kept going without you. You just left me there. I was afraid that I had tripped you up no. and I did not want to uh, get in your way. So I kept going. No, I'll, I'll remember. I remember the first time actually. Okay. Um, I said, I'm going to teach you how to meditate. And we went down to the beach. I don't know how we got there, whether we walked or drove. Okay. But I remember going down to the beach and sit. And I do remember sitting on the, the lifeguard's chair at the bottom of the lifeguard's chair. Yeah. And I remember sitting down and teaching you how to meditate for the very first time. And we went through that. We went through the exercise and you opened your eyes. It was very brief, maybe three, three minutes. Mm-hmm. And we, you opened your eyes. You're about eight. You were eight years old. As soon as you opened your eyes, I said, well, how, how does it look? How does everything look? And you went, oh, everything looks clearer. I see colors. I see, I see the colors are brighter. Everything's brighter. Right. And I got a little, I got a little saddened for, for a moment because I was sad. Mm-hmm. Now, you wouldn't think so. Said, oh, wow, he's meditating. No, because it meant that you had dulled. Right. You would not have Even seen Even a it. little bit. Yeah. You shouldn't, had you been- Okay, a hundred percent. You would see Should no. Be the same. You would see no right. difference. Right. So even at eight years old, you had been dulled a little bit, exposed to, you know, resentment. What was cruelty. happening at the time? You were having uh, the reason why it was, I introduced it to you at that time. You had some uh, issues with school, with teachers. Oh, yeah? I think it was with teachers. Or, okay. I think it was with teachers. Okay. Um, there was a like a woman in particular who was giving you a tough time, and I don't remember the a teacher. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember the details, but it was getting to you. Okay. Now it's time to uh, to teach you how to meditate. So I was a little saddened. It was like it, it means that that I had been bothered yeah. by something. Something. Yeah. Something. Something has bothered me. That's right. Right. Yeah. I've been distracted. Yep. So by resentment. Yeah. And uh, and you've been doing it ever since, as far as I know. Yep. yep. I, as somebody who's not married, I would say yes. You should suggest practicing meditation to your spouse and your children. Right. That's what I say. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely, hundred percent. As a matter of fact, you can t- send them to. Uh, best thing to do is to send them to our website. My, my website www.schwarzhoffmedia.com. What? There's a long pause. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Go to yes. Just just continually send them links to our website until they meditate. <laughs> yeah, no, don't do that. You'll drive them nuts. Schwarzhoffmedia.com. Uh, the non-contemplative meditation tab at the top will give you the necessary recordings yeah there's one for alcoholics and drug addicts so you don't have to send them to that one you could send your family members or whatnot to the uh to the regular one right the uh 30 minute uh yeah. just general one which, which is good general, for everybody not, just a general non-contemplative meditation right. yeah. okay. which you don't have to listen to 30 minutes at a time you can do 10 minute no, as a matter of fact you shouldn't best, but right. you should listen to the to the pre-talk that explains exactly how to do it right yep okay okay so that's it for today that's um it. expect more podcasts as we go we're just getting set up in the new studio trying to figure everything out here more videos on the way as well yep. in the new studio we'll have a new new background new office we're in now oh it's lovely. pretty cool yeah i have a nice 
cool little fireplace next to my desk. Yes, we have a nice fireplace here. Which uh, I haven't been able, haven't had luck keeping the smoke in. And <laughs> keeping I, the smoke in? Yeah, I tried lighting it up the other day and smoke. I couldn't get the smoke to go up the flue for some reason. I kept opening it and the... Uh, you haven't had luck keeping the smoke in? No, keeping keeping the smoke in the fireplace and going up the chimney. It keeps it comes into my office. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I have to figure that out. Or we have to have, to have somebody oh. come and fix that. That's it for now. Okay. All right. This is episode number nine. Yeah. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Oh, and we do have a whole bunch of podcasts lined up, ready to go with topics and everything that are going to be the regular. You know, me doing my monologue and then you and I doing the. Uh, the dialogue afterwards. All right. And that's it for today. All right. That's, that's it for now. That's it for now. That's it for now.